Welcome to At WCSU, the podcast that explains everything about Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and I'm here with engineer Pete Puccio, whose name can be rearranged to spell poetic puce. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. We have a great show today featuring an interview with Andrew Shemansky who is a student athlete who plays football and has also been named to the U.S. Academic All-America team for Division Three. He likes to keep busy, as we will find out during our talk. We will also hear from Westcon Provost Dr. Missy Alexander and Director of Library Services, Veronica Knausis, which is always fun. And finally, our co-host Chantel Williams had to work today, so Pete and I will be taking over the event announcements. I hope you're prepared, Pete, because I'm not. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have an update on the flu and coronavirus, Pete. Ooh. Mm -hmm. WestCon men's and women's basketball were going to play UMass Boston this week, except we decided to postpone it here when we learned that a UMass Boston student had come down with the coronavirus. Oh, man. It wouldn't be good. So we just wanted to play it safe, and uh, the... Th Basketball games will be rescheduled um, later this month. And remember that if you've been in contact with someone who was in China over the past 14 days and you suddenly come down with a cough and fever, you need to call your doctor and then get yourself to the doctor's office. That means you might have the coronavirus. And the regular flu is still going around, so wash your hands all the time until your skin is rough and red, and then keep washing. And if there are any UMass Boston students listening who would like to transfer, email the WCSU admissions office at admissions at wcsu.edu. You'll find you can get a high-quality, affordable education here at Westcon. Pete, did you play football in college? I didn't. Uh, hmm. When I was a kid, my mom told me I could play anything I wanted but not football. Oh, okay. Well, did you earn a 4.0 GPA in college? Yeah, no, no, I did not. <laughs> so you probably were not an academic All-American then. I was neither academic nor All-American, no. <laughs> so it's a thrill to have Andrew Shemansky on at WCSU. Shall we go to the interview? Let's do it. Andrew, thanks for being here today. Uh, we're going to talk about how uh, you have been officially recognized as the smartest athlete on Westcon's campus. Right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> That's pretty much what it means, right? This group called COSIDA is a group of sports information directors from all around the country. They choose athletes from among 50 different sports, and you were the one athlete at Westcon to uh, become an academic All-American national award this year. Uh, yeah, so I had found out, I had no idea this this thing existed before. Hmm. Um, I found out somebody had, had told me congratulations. I thought, you know, it was something else that came out. Um, they started out with um, doing districts. So they, they broke it up into the, the country, into different districts. And I was chosen to, I think it was from District 2, um, and I was chosen to be on, on that team first. And then I found out they do an All-American. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting to, to be an All-American at first. And then uh, a few weeks later, my coach sent me a, a screenshot 
um, the the article was published, and you know, congratulations, and and I found out, and you know, it's a it's a great honor. Yeah, it's exciting. It, it is obviously you put a lot of effort into your academics, right? Your four point GPA. Yes, yes, I do. And uh, which what are you studying here? Uh, so currently, I'm working um, with the honors department and my advisor, uh, Dr. Cook, who's the director. Um, at the Kathwari Honors uh, Program here, and I'm working to put together kind of a contract major. Um, it's an honors interdisciplinary bachelor's contract major, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I'm a political science major, but I'm kind of narrowing down my field of study and my topic um, to focus more on international politics, comparative politics, international issues and studies, um, and sort of really delve into into something deeper than just like a broad category of of study mm-hmm. and what interested you in that um so i finally became a political science major my second semester of my freshman year um, i started off as a jazz studies major here mm-hmm. and i guess i was kind of always interested in politics a lot of my friends and classmates in high school during lunch, we would have a lot of discussions really in-depth, and, and I enjoyed that a lot. And um, I took a class with Dr. Cook. It was is the intro um, honors class here. And uh, just him as a professor, he really drew me to the program and to the field of study and made it really exciting. Uh, I went and talked to him one-on-one, um, and it was something that I could really see myself doing. And there was a lot of options uh, after graduation where I could go, what I could do. Um, so I thought it was a, a really good choice mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And you spent a semester in Germany, right? Yes, I did, uh, last spring. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually had to miss uh, spring spring training for football, Wow, um, which was kind of a big deal. But I studied abroad for four months in Germany last spring, um, and it was an amazing experience. Um, they broke the program up into into kind of two segments the first segment was um language uh culture um and you know they taught us differences between american and german culture um kind of an introductory language course so that you know we could get around and and Mm. speak somewhat with some locals um and then the the second portion of the semester we continued with language there was a conversation course and then we chose different classes once their semester started in April, um, different actual, more traditional university-style courses of which we could choose. So I, I studied um, global health security as well as um, European migration and uh, welfare states. Hmm. So that helped feed your uh, interest, too. It, it definitely like. did, yes. And uh, the football coaches must have flipped out, though, when you missed the uh, training. <laughs> they, they, they did it first. Um, it was kind of a, an important year for me because I was transitioning to, to be a really big uh, component into the team, being a starter um, this past season. And, you know, kind of missing off-season lifting. I, I know that I go to the gym quite, right. a, quite a bit, and mm-hmm. they know that I'm responsible and, and whatnot. Um, but just not being there um, was kind of iffy. Um, but we managed to work through it and work together. I, I found That's a good. gym in Germany and, mm-hmm. you know, 
got the time in. They believed you. They did. They did. That's good. And you were uh, you play an instrument too? I do. Um, so I started off as a jazz studies major here. I played uh, clarinet and saxophone. Hmm. Um, and then I, it kind of fell off a little bit. Um, I didn't play for a little while. I lost a little bit of interest in it, and now I'm starting to pick it back up again. I picked up my clarinet for the first time in a while cool. uh, this past break. And uh, this semester I'm taking keyboard hmm. um, to kind of get my brain back into it um, and get back to something that I know that I really liked. Yeah. So uh, you're from Torrington, right? Yes. And in high school, it sounds like you were uh, well-rounded. Did your parents harass you into taking everything you could? <laughs> um, it was kind of the opposite. Hmm. Uh, they were a little bit uh, stressed out at some points, especially in the fall. Hmm. Um, so I was a three-sport athlete, uh, technically a three-sport athlete mm -hmm. with doing uh, both indoor and outdoor track as well as football. Um, and I was also part of every music ensemble in high school. I did <laughs> concert band, marching band, jazz band. I was in the chamber choir. Um, I did theater for a year and continued to, mm -hmm. to do that throughout my time in high school. Um, you know, various clubs and extracurricular activities. And it was kind of, I piled a ton of stuff on my plate. And uh, there were points where I would get overwhelmed and uh, get really stressed out. Um, you know, kind of lose track of things. And um, there would be points where <laughs> they would um, they would consider me dropping a couple of things to, to loosen up my schedule a little bit. Um, but I really stuck through it, and I thought, you know, these are things that I really enjoy doing, and so I kind of just drove through it and, and made it happen. That's great. And the, we find here in, in other interviews with other students uh, – that uh, the most successful students are often really, really busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I kind of prided myself in, in being involved in so many different things, um, so many different honor societies and clubs and activities, mm -hmm. um, and that I was so well-rounded. Mm -hmm. um, I really took pride in that. You, It is tough, though, especially, I imagine, during football season to keep your grades up. Do all the studying and turn in everything. Um, it's it's kind of a give and take. So foot, once football season rolls around, um, obviously your time is kind of micromanaged for you in a way mm. where you know you have to go to lifting, you have to go to practice, you have to go to meetings, endless meetings, <laughs> um, and you know there's always games, there's always film sessions. Um, there's always independent time where you're watching film on the opponent and studying guys. Um, but there's a part of me that, that really enjoys kind of a micromanaged uniform schedule. Um, and it, it really helps me to know when I need to be somewhere, what I need to be doing. It helps me micromanage a lot of my open time. Mm. Um, a lot of that free time is allocated already. So I know that, um, I have, you know, a set amount of time that I need to get things done in. Um, and it, it helps me in a way. Mm -hmm. That's good. So your parents must have been happy when they heard about this. Uh, <laughs> oh, very happy. Very happy, indeed. That's good. And you play right tackle or offensive tackle on the uh, football team? Yes. This, this past season, I, I was uh, the starting right tackle for the team. 
And so that's what you'll be next year too. You're a junior now, right? You'll be a senior. Yes, I'll I'll be a senior on the field next season. Yeah. Um, right now, we're we're in the position of trying to figure out um, because we we graduated a few individuals on the offensive line. We're trying to figure out different things of where to put guys, where the best position to play people. Um, so we'll we'll know much better where guys are going to play, where I'm going to be playing individually. Um, once the spring spring rolls around, and we'll get back to practicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're basically you're in charge of one of the guys in charge of protecting the quarterback. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, so you have to make a lot of decisions and figure out who's who else is covering who or who blew their coverage and who you have to help out. I read that uh, the there's a test that the NFL gives to um, players as they come out of college who might be drafted, and uh, they test all sorts of things. And offensive tackles always score the highest on the uh, mental <laughs> skills, partly because the, the decision-making and all that is putting it all together. They're the smartest ones. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you're in the right spot. I, 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 I hope so. <laughs> I, I really hope so. Um, it's it's kind of a unique position. I mean, offensive line just just as a group, um, but especially the tackles. Um, I've kind of moved around between playing guard and playing tackle over the past I don't know six years probably mm-hmm. in in my entire football career. Um, and there, there's different skills and different techniques that you need to use at every position. Um, something individual about being. Uh, an offensive tackle, you're kind of on an island. You need mm-hmm. to make decisions by yourself and different techniques of, you know, every pass rusher has different moves and different techniques that so mm-hmm. you need to know how to counter. Um, but I, I definitely think knowing the the cohesive unit of the offensive line and what everybody else is doing uh, in relation to what you're doing, what kind of a pass is it? Um, are you having double team help? Um where do you want to go with the guy? Mm-hmm. Um, all these different things kind of roll through your head before you even start to play, and then you need to you need to go and execute it. All right. Um, so I think it's definitely a, a unique position that gives us the ability to, you know, really think at a high level and then perform at a high level too. Mm-hmm. And when you can execute it, and everything is fun, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and what's your number? 74. Okay, so people can uh, in the stands can look out for yes, you. Number 74. Okay. And um, the have you thought about what you're doing after you graduate? I have. Um, I started thinking about it once I switched over to political science. I knew the options uh, were basically open wide for me. I had a lot of options. Um, and going through the past couple of years thinking about it, um, right now, um, I think once I graduate college uh, with my degree in, in global affairs, um, I want to join the Navy as an officer um, and, and spend time with a military career mm-hmm. as an officer in the Navy. How did you decide on that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I never really thought growing up that the military was going to be an option for me realistically. Um, and then... Sort of my senior year of high school, it went into the back of my mind. And then um, after my freshman year, I decided to lose weight after my freshman year in, in college. Uh, 
I decided to lose a bunch of weight. My top was like 300 pounds, and I dropped down to 235, 232, mm. I think. Um, and as I got more fit, I felt a lot better, um, and I started thinking, you know, maybe this is an actual option for me. There's a lot of benefits. I don't, you know, plugging in different things. Um but I thought it was a really good option for me. I like being really active. I like a regimented schedule, um, and I'd like to be able to travel. Just a lot of things that that really fit in my ballpark. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of looked into different branches, different jobs, um, and I figure um, the Navy is a, a really good way to to see the see the world and i really like that i mean i've gone to europe twice Mm. i've gone to canada i've gone to the bahamas Mm -hmm. um you know spending four months in germany actually living there um i thought the navy was a great way for me to do that and i'm gonna have my degree so i'll be able to to be an officer too right no that's cool good luck in all that thank you uh you can apply to be uh you could be an all-american uh Academic All-American next year, too, right? I can, yes. That's that's open to me. Um, I'll have one more year of eligibility. It'll, it'll go by the, the fall semester, so that'll be a, an option for me, and I'm hoping to get that next year, too. That's great. If you have any problem with any professors, let me know. And talk to you. <laughs> I will. <laughs> will do. Thanks for coming in, Andrew. It's been great talking with you. Thank you so much. Dr. Missy Alexander works with professors here at WCSU to figure out ways to help first-year students make the jump from high school to college learning. Some students understand the new normal from the beginning, but others have a looser grasp on how to succeed right away. Listen to this segment of the Provost's Office for ideas that could be helpful for students and their families, as well as professors. So uh, when we think about student success, we think a lot about um, what we were as students. This is a natural thing that faculty do. We think, I understood what to do. Some of us are honest and say, I had no idea what to do. And so we don't always anticipate gaps in students' understanding of the structure they've just entered. There's been a lot of focus on first-generation college students, and rightfully so, because they are least informed about what to expect. And they don't have necessarily parents to say, hey, what does this mean? Now, I will tell you, however, that all first-year students are at sea to some degree. And I always remind myself that I have a child who has two academic parents who called home to say, help, you know, and spent most of their childhood coming to this campus. So, you know, it's not it's not transparent. I want to say that it's important for us to focus on those first year students in that transition. And at WCSU, we have done a lot in the last few years, particularly in the implementation of an FY navigation course. And though we did a lot of debating about what should be in that course, as this this is our fourth year or third year of doing it, it's kind of settling out that navigation is the thing, right? What does it all mean? And that we look at other things that FYs can be about seminars and stuff in other classes that are actually seminars, right? So we don't need to do that. But that navigation is about a lot of sort of behaviors, not really as much as it needs to be, uh, but things that they need to know, right? 
So I read this very nice little book called 33 Simple Strategies for Faculty, and it's a week-by-week resource for teaching first-year and first-generation students. Uh, This is by Lisa Nunn. And uh, I believe she's a sociologist by training. And she's looked at students at a bunch of different places. And she wrote this handy little, I mean, it's a handbook. It's a, it's a, I'm a slow reader, so it was a two-hour read, okay? It's, it's easy. And she has such nice demystification things. So she has very important things in there, like do a mini midterm week two. This may sound absurd to my colleagues, but think about it. They have no idea to f- how to prioritize what you've said. If you do the mini midterm, they get, a, they get a sense. Oh, am I looking at listening to the right things in your classroom? This is such a good idea. It need take 15 minutes, you know, but, oh, okay, those are the right notes. She adds to it the notion that you could do a mini-review session, too. And if you do that, have them build it for you, and then you can show them what they didn't remember, what they're writing down that they shouldn't. What will you do then? Help them prep for exams, but also take better notes, right? So it's just, it's pretty direct. It seems very basic. In fact, the nun says she really resisted this herself in a long time uh, in school. She said, I, I thought it was too juvenile, but it just it helps everybody demystify it. And if you think about it, not for 200 level, not for 300 level, but for first-year students, it's not juvenile, right? This is not how high school is organized. So they need to do that. She also talks a lot about things that are on the socio-emotional side, too. Um, Sort of, you know, how about in week three, make everybody find a study partner for the day. Don't make them commit to that same study partner forever. Just to start figuring out study styles and how do we bond with somebody, but also mindful of the fact that there's a loneliness factor in the first year. There's an ambivalence about where is your core group, how do I find it? And at a school like ours where we're a real mix of commuter and on campus, and it's, you know, that can be a real challenge. So building in some work that helps them talk to each other is very helpful. She gives one of my favorite instructions of all, tell them what to call you. Tell them that in college we don't like to be called Mr. or Mrs., that we have a tendency to either be called by our first name, depending on the person's thing, or professor or doctor, but don't make that mistake. Don't assume that they know that. You know, just tell them and, you know, get it out of the way. And some will make a mistake here and there, but if you help them get over that, just understand it's a different ritual, you know, because they've spent their whole lives saying Mr. and Mrs., you know. So I remember when I took offense at that myself, you know, and I thought, why should I be offended? Why don't I just tell them what I want to be called? It's simple things like that that she talks about. She also talks about uh, how to go through your syllabus, you know, and give them a real understanding of how important they are, but also things to really include on your syllabus. And one of those things is writing down some of the reasons why you do the assignments you do, right, explaining your pedagogy. I do think that sometimes people find that insulting in college. You know, they think, trust me, I'm smart, I have a PhD, therefore I will do this. And that's true. You are smart. You do have a PhD, and you are the authority, and nobody's questioning that. But sometimes your assignments may seem, I don't know, gratuitous or unstructured or not well thought out to the student. 
They may be beautiful. They may be brilliant. They may be part of a full artistic plan. But if the student doesn't get it, they may not fully engage in the assignment the way you want to. So tell them. And she gives some very nice examples, though, which I tried to talk about in the blog, you know, just as asides. For example, many of my math faculty, indeed great on spelling and punctuation. Some students find this very annoying because they think it's math. Why should I have to do that? Well, I agree with those math faculty. Kudos to them for taking the time. But they probably should just tell them. This is why it matters. Right? So the, I know you think in math it doesn't matter. It does matter because everybody speaks in complete sentences eventually. Right? <laughs> you know? And it's those kinds of things, you know, that, you, that the student may not associate with the discipline. In the same way that uh, some faculty may value this concept of creativity, which, by the way, the corporate world has identified as an incredible gap in college graduates right now. So actually it really matters. But creativity is one of those concepts in our culture that is a little ambiguous, right? So talk about what you're trying to nurture here, you know, and how you think it helps them get to this and why it's valuable. I I'll give you the corporate reason, but, you know, it's kind of good in life, you know, when you can improvise in all kinds of situations, it's very helpful. It's also, by the way, a little more fun. <laughs> You know, life, not just your courses. A little more fun if you're a little more imaginative. But I think it's on us to once in a while explain it, you know, not just assume it. And I think there's an older model of education that many of us came up through that just sort of accepted. And they're less accepting of it. Oh, well, there's no sense of... of, of bemoaning that fact. The, our arguments and our activities have to say, okay, they're challenging us. That's interesting. Can I justify what I'm doing, you know, and, and get to it? So I think that that is what was interesting about some of the concepts in the book, but also what I love about this book is, and I, and I actually recommend it to anybody teaching 100 levels, is go ahead and read it. You, you know, use 10 of these things. You'll probably have a nicer on-ramp for the students, and they're not hard to do. And I love simple and elegant. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> so that's what that book's about. Nothing gets a librarian happier than doing research and sitting down and, you know, going through statistics. And we have a lot of them, it turns out, in the Westcon Library. Today, our Director of Library Services, Veronica Knausis, is going to tell us all about that. Um, so I wanted to talk today about um, an, a collection in the library that's very rarely used but is super, super useful, and, and that's our collection of government documents. The Western Connecticut State University is what's called a regional depository library of government documents, both state and federal documents. Um, and we have a collection of physical materials on the third floor of Haas um, and tons of electronic materials in West Search, which is our, our, search, um, our search environment for um, library materials. Um, and the reason why this collection is important and should get used more is that it really is the best source of um, specifically statistical and policy data about the United States um, and the state. It can be sometimes difficult to find, but it is um, just knowing that it's there uh, is is a good thing for students specifically and maybe some faculty members as well. The most um, probably famous and the most uh, obvious one that we're dealing with right now um, is the census. The census is coming up um, in 
May, I believe, of this year. Um, and it's super important information. I don't know if everybody understands what the census does for us, but the census determines how many uh, representatives we get um, in the House of Representatives. It, it apportions those representatives. So if you are not participating in the census or you have neighbors or friends or communities that are not participating in the census, those people won't get counted and you run the risk of losing representation. Um, so it's super important for everybody to um, to respond to the census when it comes to you. Um, uh, as a side note, uh, we have been hosting in the Haas Library um, some people who are trying to uh, recruit census takers. So if anybody out there needs a temporary part-time job, uh, stop in the Haas Library and we can give you some information about how to become a census information taker. Pays about $23 to $25 an hour. Um, you do have to knock on doors and ask people to to submit um, census materials. But the census is um, super important. It is a huge undertaking for the government. It's it's uh, and again it's it's foundational to the functioning of our democracy. So um, that's one example of it. But there's so many other examples that you hear all the time about this this particular department doing that um, or uh, the the Department of Energy or the and we have documents we have information on all of those departments and what they're doing again some of it is a lot of it is electronic um, but we have guides to it and we actually have one librarian who is uh, responsible for the development of the collection for maintaining the collection and for answering questions about it and her name is Jennifer O'Brien you can find her on the third floor of Haas library she is a wonderful source of information and guidance for how to use the government uh, government document collection. We also have an online guide to it. So if you go to the library website, which is library.wcsu.edu, and just type in government resources in the search box, you'll come back with a guide about how to find information, how to find different information from different departments and units, and how to find overall government information. Um, and again, another very um, famous this uh, publication is called the Statistical Abstract of the United States, and that is a statistical information on just about any question you might have um, about social or political or uh, crime, any, any information that you could want as a, an as a, the United States as an aggregate. So not just Connecticut, not just New York, but the United States in general. Um, uh, race and ethnic information, ethnicity information, all kinds of things. So the Statistical Abstract of the United States is published every single year um, and is just a wealth of information about what our society and our people look like in the United States. So I encourage anyone who is interested in looking at the United States from that particular perspective to visit the government documents collection up on the third floor of Haas Library and talk to Jennifer, who would be happy, happy to guide you through that process. So as I said, Chantel abandoned us today because she's doing her internship, which she thinks is important. <laughs> and uh, we're, Pete and I are going to carry the load here and talk about events coming up. So on Saturday, February 8th, both the women's and men's basketball team will be playing separately against Castleton University. Women play at 1, men play at 3, 
They're all in the Feldman Arena of the O'Neill Center on the university's west side campus. Correct. And if you hate basketball, men's lacrosse is playing at one oh. that same day. There you go. So. Easy wins for everybody, <laughs> which is always fun. I see on uh, February 10th, which is Monday, there's a self-care fair. This will be held in the lobby of the Campus Center on the West Side Campus. It's hosted by the Choices Office, and uh, it'll help. It'll talk about healthy ways students can cope with stress with tools like meditation apps and essential oils and other things like that. Cool. I recommend that. I do all those things, and I'm, as you know, highly successful. (laughs) There's also, we missed a couple, there's a bunch of uh, music stuff. There's a a brass studio recital on the 7th, which I have to plug because I was in that group for years and years and years. (laughs) Uh, The Best Darn Jazz Club in Danbury, which we talked about also on the 7th. Uh, and then March seventh, right? February seventh. Oh yeah, I think there's one I'm in sorry. March also. I think there one is every one month, right? Yes. Yeah, and then on uh, the ninth, there's a uh, Dr. Hirschfield, who's the the pianist. Great professor. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, he'll be performing at three p.m. on the ninth in the Veronica Hagman Concert Hall. Oh, on Sunday. So yeah, actually on Sunday with a couple of guest artists. Yeah. Can you name the woman guest artist? Uh, I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> it looks like some, uh, it's a there's difficult... no vowels in her name. Yeah. But I'm sure she's very good. Yeah. So check your uh, your My WCSU app or the uh, What's On at Western email, any of those places you can find events if you need some details. That's good. Did you see also on February 10th, there's a couple of uh, events that are always happy, uh, make the students happy. They're called Stuff a Plush. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big one every year. I don't know what that is, but on February 10th, from noon to 2 in the Colonial Corner in the Student Center on the Midtown Campus, and then again on the Campus Center on the West Side Campus, from 7.30 to 9 p.m., students will be able to stuff a plush. It's uh, it's like Build-A-Bear. You, oh, okay. You, they, you give you like a, like a hollowed-out stuffed animal and you, you make it whole. The better name, though. Yeah. Stuff a plush. Then on February 11th, the Institute for Holistic Health Studies, which is run by the uh, ironically named Crystal or Turi. Crystal? I got it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) There will be a Mudra meditation series. And I looked it up. That's the correct pronunciation. The accent is on the M. It's at 7 p.m. in room 103 of Warner Hall on the Midtown campus. Okay. Yeah, that's something good also, relaxation and knowledge. And then, Pete, you can take your wife on February 12th to the Valentine's Day dinner that Sodexo is hosting in the cafeteria. Count me there. 4 to 7.30 p.m. Oh, it's in the Colonial Corner, not the CAF, which is, again, at the Student Center, Midtown campus. And... um, for students, they can use their meal swipe, plus they have to pay an extra 10 bucks. They can use flex points, connect cash, regular cash, or a credit card. And faculty, staff, and alumni, and the public can pay $20.50. So for you, Pete, it's uh, $41 for you and your wife. Can't beat that with a stick. <laughs> no, you might have to uh, go get a drink beforehand or something. But it's sure to be romantic. 
And then also on the 12th is the Love Song Karaoke. Oh. So at the Daily Grind at Westside in the Campus Center, uh, 8 p.m., there'll be uh, karaoke. You could go to dinner on the Midtown and then go to karaoke in the Go across town and sing it up. Yeah, (laughs) sounds like a plan. (laughs) Okay, do you think Chantel would be happy with what we did? Oh, probably not. Uh, It's a little rough. (laughs) It was. (laughs) We need the expert in here next time. Yeah. But I think that wraps it up, right? Sure. That'll do it for this week. Yeah. (laughs) So for Chantel Williams, I'm Paul Steinmetz, and this is at WCSU. See you next week.